and welcome to this week's episode of Can I Be Funny? I am JQ. Uh, we've got a great guest uh, on the podcast today, but before we get to that, just want to say a few thank yous to all our new listeners. Uh, hello to you, you know who you are. Uh, it's nice to see these sort of... Uh, numbers going up every week which is great uh if you do enjoy the show please tweet it to everyone else or facebook it uh you can do it at james quintin on twitter which would be lovely uh if you don't like it then well you're not gonna be listening to this so it's fine so today's guest is the wonderful alexis dubas some of you may know him by his alter ego marcel lecon uh, a French uh, comedian is very very funny <laughs> we don't go into too much detail uh, about Marcel because if you listen to the Comedians Comedian podcast by Stuart Goldsmith which I assume you do because if you listen to this you'll definitely listen to that if you check out episode 48 uh, Alexis goes into great detail about uh, the origins of that character it's a bit of a quick episode this one because Alexis was literally running between two meetings so big thanks for coming in uh, at all um but it's still great, lots of uh, good stuff in there. So please enjoy the wonderful Alexis Dubas. Welcome to the show, Alexis. Thanks very much. Thanks for coming in. It's all right, you Should made a mistake of giving me a cookie <laughs> just before we're doing this. It's a very nice cookie it's as well, I wasn't going to put that down. Carl's finest. Um, so you're also a child of Mr. Logan Murray. I am, yeah. I'm one of his, min- his millions of, of, uh, yeah, of comedy children. Um, yeah, I, well, I was the, the original... Ah, child. I'm not trying. What? There's a bit of sibling rivalry between us. I'm not. I'm not trying to pick a fight, but I was there first. I'm the special one. Now, um, yeah, I was on the first ever course. We were sort of um, must have been about a dozen of us, and we were all his uh, comedy guinea pigs. How, did, how was the course? Because first year, yeah, it was uh, it was great. But I think um, it, none of us really knew what we were doing in the most brilliant way. We, yeah. all, we were all just sort of helping each other through and away. And uh, yeah, I think most of us. I think well, half of us at least had done. Uh, comedy before we d- we dabbled in the yeah. open mic circuit. Had you um, done that? Or was it? Yeah, I'd done a few. I'd I'd sort of um, I think was I no, I don't think I was even living in London at the time. I'd I would, I'd sort of I was living out in Buckinghamshire and yeah. I was uh, popping in to just do as many open mic gigs as I could, flitting back and forth and getting the getting the last train home yeah. and that sort of thing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I'd kind of I I was I was kind of doing gigs here and there, and and knew the ropes. And there was me. There was Steve Hall. Um, Greg Davis, who you may have heard of. Yep. Uh, Rod Gilbert. Um, that was on the same course. It was all the same course. Yeah. Ah, Ed okay. Petrie, um, Rob Collins, yeah, uh, Sean James. Lots of lots of people who are still sort of in the game. Yeah. Today, but we'd all yeah all of that lot pretty much had, had kind of dipped a toe in and given it a bit of a crack in some form or other. What was your first lesson like? Because I remember the first time I did it, we was in a rehearsal space over in Camden. And the first thing he got us to do was just walk around the room, point at things, and just name them out loud. Oh, so just yeah. sort of say wall, chair, window, and then he said, "Do it again, but call it something else." So like banana, orange, you know, it gives it weird. Names. Yeah, I'm pretty certain we did that one. I don't know if it was the first one. I think one of the first ones I remember was having to compare each other on. So he just sort of, we we'd, okay. we'd sort of go round in a circle, and um, we'd have to give some overblown or nonsensical <laughs> introduction yeah. as each person just came on and then introduced the other person. Yes. No gags, anything yeah, like yeah. that. Because it was, I mean, it was, it was, a lot of it was clowning, really, looking back. It was, it was just sort of playing the moment and yeah. uh, enjoying the, the, the nonsense in the moment. It was kind of, you know, they, I think the, the, the writing of actual jokes came later. I think, yeah. I don't know how many people sort of came expecting 
to, to you know to, to to have fully formed gags by the end of a session. Yeah, it's kind of strange. So I thought I hadn't actually no idea what was going to go, what was going to be like. But I think it just gives you the confidence to just go and play on your own more. Because I did the first lesson, and then the next day I had my very first proper gig. Um, yeah. So I thought it might ruin what I'd already written, but I think it improved it because I'd been mucking around the night before. So the first gig went surprisingly well. Okay. Um, I'd done sort of two. I'd done the gong show twice at the comedy store, oh, which yeah. just doesn't count at all because I was just, <laughs> just going, Bleh. Yeah. Managed two and a half minutes. Um, <laughs> wow. That's probably more than I ever did, I reckon. Yeah. That was, yeah, I tried it a few times back in the day. I, th- I think the, the gong show had just restarted right. from its um, several year hiatus uh, oh. when we were doing the, uh, the the course and yeah god that was that was fascinating because back in the day you'd sort of I, you might still get this I've not been to a gong show for a long time but you would get quite established acts sort of coming on and pissing around as well really? Stephen K Moss Daniel Kitson no um, no, 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 no it's just a free for all now is it <laughs> yeah. with uh, yeah no yeah. it's kind of so it was yeah it was fascinating because you just it was a bit more playful probably yeah I don't know what it's like now. God knows. It's a bear pit now. Yeah, right. Which I quite enjoy. Um, so what was life for you like when you were doing the course? Were you sort of just working like a normal job? I've genuinely never had a never proper had job. One. Brilliant. I did. Um, I started when I was at uni. I started, um, uh, it was on. A, uh, it was the Daily Telegraph Open Mic Award, as it was then, which I think probably finished around, I don't know, 2004, 2005 maybe. Um, and um, so that was two. 2001 that I entered that long time ago mm. it was me and Tom Price we used to do a, we were in a sketch group together right. and at uni and we just sort of went oh let's give this a go how hard can that be yeah. just you had, to, you had to get up and do um, five minutes with uh, professional comics on the bill who were doing the comedy network to and I got Simon Evans and Carl Theobald on nice. my one which was great so I, and, and I think they'd been touring around quite a bit I remember Simon Evans was knackered and I remember yeah. him uh, pretty much asleep backstage <laughs> and uh, literally until his name was called and just sort of, uh, came to and just went out onto the stage and stormed it and nice. absolutely took the roof off and I just thought oh there you go that's, that's, I want to be that level of calm <laughs> at some point in my life that's you know to just be virtually comatose backstage yeah. and then something go bang and just knock it out of the park so how after the course finished what how much effort did you put into doing the open mic or I put in as much effort as I could I yeah. suppose because um, I was well actually we, I'm talking about the job the, the, the closest I've had to sort of a a proper job was um, that following year working for the students union. I stayed on right. to be to try and be an eternal student as much as I could. And uh, I remember those guys. <laughs> yeah, it was sabbatical officer. So I was the communications officer dealing with sort of media mm. stuff um, for uh, for my uni. And then uh, you know, obviously, didn't have much of a chance to sort of do it. In fact, no, that was it. Was no, it was that year. It was while while doing that that I sort of gave it a go. Yeah, and then the year after, I kind of. I was living at home, um, my folks, for about a year and a half, just trying yep. to get the money together to move to London. And I was, yeah, I lived out in Buckinghamshire. Not a massive sort of train journey to to London, but a little bit of a pain in the ass to kind of come and yep. play to eight people to do yes. your five minutes. So it was, I, I gave it as much as I could. I mean, there was I, the open mic circuit was nowhere near as vast as it is it's massive today. Now. So that was like, it was 2003 when I first moved to London. Of course, there's no Facebook, no basically no internet really like we're no it now so it's all not phone really calls and yeah it kind of was it was it was it was it was uh, leafing through time out and looking at the gigs that said interested acts called yep. it call this number 
Um, and quite often, actually, you'd, you'd call up and you'd be able to get one within two weeks, three weeks yeah. or a month kind of thing. And cool. there'd be places like Pear Shaped, uh, yeah. going back there and Laughing Horse. Um, yeah, got one there, yeah. Uh, let's see uh, various sort of other ones a few mouth control ones as well used to have quite a few in London so yeah there were, there were certain ones that just uh, that, that shows how, how few sort of open spots there were yeah. compared to today people <laughs> actually dare to put a mobile number in and go give us, <laughs> give us a call if you want a gig yeah I imagine that practice has probably been uh, yeah yeah, <laughs> put to one side now I have a few friends that run nights and when they put say open for bookings they just get a massive flood of emails right. come in it must be a complete nightmare to um, yeah manage all of that. Well, I, you, you ran a you used to run a night as well. Yeah, I did actually. A friend and I uh, sort of moved to London about the same time, Cy Thomas, and we set up a little uh, it was a gig called Falling Down with Laughter mm. in London Bridge, and we ran that. Do you know what? we ran that until two thousand and nine? It was six really? years that that gig right. lasted, and it was round about that time that it, I think two or three other gigs had opened in the London Bridge area, right. where we just went. Oh, this, this is just getting ridiculous. There's no need for this. I mean, we were sort of the original and best, but <laughs> and we, you know, it was it was pretty ridiculous actually. We got some yeah, real big name acts coming Man. down to 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 play it. A lot bigger than the, a little basement beneath a backpackers hostel should have got. It was like yeah. fit, cramming sixty people max in there. And yet we, um, yeah, kind of it's got like a bit of a- angel comedy over in Islington. They mm. they do open mic stuff, and then they get big names. Like yeah, I did I was on after Tony Law and before Stuart Goldsmith. Yeah, so it's just like wow. I don't know how I don't know what the formula is because Barry doesn't know but he loves it <laughs> I think it's I think it's as simple as run a nice gig mm. don't take the piss and, and um, yeah, give people a decent-ish yeah. wage I mean we, we, we pay people as much as we could yeah and didn't really take much for ourselves. We made we made enough to get pissed in the bar afterwards, really, in, at that gig. And it was it started off as just, a, um, yeah, as all these things do, the open mic ones of, of us getting a bit of stage time for ourselves yes. and trying to get our mates on. And then it became this thing of getting stage time while also getting our favourite acts on. Going, yeah. how far can we push this? And you know, it's amazing. We got Stuart Lee down and yeah. Jack D. Um, we had uh, Michael McIntyre on Russell Brand. And sort of all the, you know, a lot of people sort of on the way up, admittedly, yeah. but we'd, we'd also have people calling up and just going, oh, you know, can Sean Locke come down and do a bit? Can Steve Merchant come down and just try some stuff out? <laughs> so we just got this, um, that was a lot of name dropping, wasn't it? But, it was, <laughs> but we were proud of it, you know, yeah. for, for what it was. We shouldn't yeah. have got those people down at all. But it was just that we ran, uh, you know, a nicest sort of place. It was, uh, we got people in, we had loyal, comedy savvy people come to it and, yeah. we, and we booked acts that we genuinely liked and, and, and we're a bit different and we started running the uh, uh sort of experimental night as well ah, okay. which was what really started interesting me because yeah. no one else seemed to be doing that that kind of thing at the time so we had you know we'd get pappies on and we'd get uh angelos epithemio sort of trying stuff and tim key and people yeah. and you know the more and paul foot came down once and did a set in an entirely made up language so it kind of which was astounding so there are all these weird and Simon Munnery come down and sort of do a bit about Sherlock Holmes and it was it was lovely it was um, so and that's what really sort of started fueling my interest more than the stand up and actually we started to when um, you know like all the other clubs were set up around the area it was the experimental night that was that was going great guns to be yeah. honest people just really wanted something a bit different it was a really interesting time so did that help you get more um, gigs at other places? Yeah, I think it probably did. There's that worry that when you start a club, especially a successful club, you're then known as a promoter. Mm. And people think of you as as such. And 
or or sort of you know eternal compare yeah kind of thing and I think it was one of the reasons we knocked it on the head I suppose another is it just became a logistical pain in the arse yeah. and bureaucratic nightmare to try yeah. and run and the bar was always you know there were always people changing management all the time people coming and going and and it was just and that was that but that was one of the main things as well just wanting to be known as a comic in my own right yes and so it yeah it got me gigs up to a point but then I think it reaches that point of, of yeah, you, you, you want to break out and go, look, I'm not a promoter. Yeah. This is what I do. And I still, we, we still get people contacting, falling really? down with laughter. I don't, someone must have us on the database somewhere. We haven't been running this gig yeah. for five years now. Blimey. And uh, we still get people contacting us going, can we have a gig? Like, there, there is no gig. You can come down to Belushi's on Borough High Street if you want. I wouldn't recommend it. But uh, yeah, so... Uh, it was uh, it was quite a conscious decision, I think. Yeah. So, what was your? Because I've just completed the first year in comedy and done seventy odd gigs in that year. It's kind of just going along nicely. How did you sort of ramp up doing the gigs, going from my to start getting? Yeah, a, gigs with a lot there? of running. Yeah, and flapping my wings. Right. Yeah. Um, it again, like I say, the, the the circuit was nowhere near as as bloated and yeah. and, and and overblown as it is now, and I think. I just used as soon as I moved to London I just hit the open mic circuit incredibly hard and was just picking up as many gigs as I could um, not trying to get ahead of my station not not you know not running before I could walk just kind of trying to just get that decent 20 minutes and I, and yeah. I sort of soon realised that a, a strong 20 is really a strong 40 like you've got to have that or you know, at least 30 you've got to have that backup material for when it's not going your way yeah. or to take it in a different direction, that kind of thing. So I don't know. I, I suppose there was a good, I'd say sort of couple of years of doing the open mic scene in London and sort of branching out eventually and, and, and doing, uh, you know, the Northern circuit, the Scottish circuit okay, and that kind of thing. And just getting, getting out a little bit. And uh, I was kind of, as I say, I didn't have a job tying me down. I was just doing, you know whatever work part-time work I yeah. could I could do to uh, uh, and and sort of and photography as well I sort of got into photography so I kind of that kind of lifted me out of the drudgery of the part-time work and actually started taking photos of and doing comedians portraits and portfolios oh, okay. and, that, and that kind of yeah. thing <clears throat> which I still do every now and again occasionally when asked that's that's it <laughs> but yeah I so I found a way of sort of being doubly self-employed of, of yeah. doing things that I didn't hate you know, yeah. uh, and so that was nice. So I actually had the the photography thing and and uh, designed people sort of Edinburgh posters and flyers and that kind of thing as well. That was just a little latent sort of skill oh, okay, yeah. that I was putting aside in case it yeah. all went tits up with the comedy. <laughs> and as as it happened, saw me through yeah. um, those first few years in London. So I was doing that during the day, and that was something incredibly flexible uh, that I could do, and you know, and enjoyed doing as well. Got me some money, and then to to go and do these gigs where essentially I'd get a fiver after all my travel expenses yeah. and the accommodation had been taken off and all that kind of thing. <laughs> but it just got, yeah, got myself out there. And then I suppose it was, it was oh, maybe about five or six years in that I could actually start letting go of the other jobs and yeah. go, oh, okay, I guess this is what I do right, okay. for a living. Because everyone seems to have a different amount of time that they can, it takes them to sort of get going as it were. Yeah. I'd say about sort of five or six years, I reckon. Because yeah. even because first year, I'm not anywhere near good enough to be paid for anything. Very few people are, no. and it's 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 quite rare that that's the case. And um, 
yeah, I suppose I was I was hard working to some extent. I was I, I, I was getting the gigs in. I, I but probably sort of coasting along a bit. Um, and in two thousand five, I took a little bit of a break. I took about six months off really? just to go and yeah, just because I was sort of. I've been doing it. I've been doing it on the London circuit for about two, well, two and a half, three years, I think, and just um, got. A, I think I realised I got a bit complacent and that I was just treading water a little bit, and just went and had a bit of a rethink. Well, not even a rethink, actually. I took time out and just thought I'm not even going to think about it. I'm going. I had. Um, I'd inherited a little bit of money in a, a family will, sort of thing, enough to kind of go away for, yeah, about five months. Took myself off to South America and just. I'd never had a gap year or anything yeah. like that. I thought, do you know what? I just need a reset. I just need to cleanse the mind a little yeah. bit. Forget about the drudgery of open <laughs> mic circuit. You know that sort of thing. And and uh, and it was great. And I really, yeah. I I, I just I, I went off. I I, I completely, yeah yeah purged myself a little bit and then came back with a bit of renewed vigor for it and realizing firstly uh this is what i love doing yeah. and this is this is what i want to do and secondly pretty much beyond the point of no return <laughs> i was like what else what other real skills do i have I, you know and uh yeah never so let that the trip that you've now turned into your next show ah good segue wow. uh, yeah, part of it actually yeah. yeah so that's it's it's weird that, that that's now yeah cars and girls is, is is this new sort of spoken word show that i'm doing that's now uh yeah half of half of that show is is based on those yeah. on those travels so retrospectively you've actually went and did some research work yeah i guess i did i went <laughs> not 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 expecting to uh, think about comedy and have yeah. ended up with half a show's worth of material so there you go that's the best way of doing it uh, you're whenever I've heard you on other podcasts, you've always been um, sort of never shied away from saying you've done a course. Did you ever get any negative reactions from other um, comics when you were on the circuit? No, not really. Yeah. I suppose because well, I guess my course had quite a pedigree with us, yeah. with the people that, that 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 came off the back of it. Rod Gilbert, who also actually took a bit of time out after doing the course, and just he, he got a bit disillusioned with it. Yeah. And went, oh, it's really not for me. And then came back as super rod. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. So I, I suppose, I don't know. I, I suppose some people might blame the courses for the influx of newcomers onto the circuit. I think yeah. there's, yeah, I don't know. There's, there is snobbery in comedy. I think, I think there's that sort of people that see it as a bit of a conveyor belt and just churning out identikit comics yeah but i think that probably would have happened anyway i think that's just that's not necessarily the course's fault i think that's the sort of media's um insistence on 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 youth and you know and and, and just sort of the dumbing down of of everything really yeah. I, th I think that that was that was kind of inevitable but i think it comes in waves i think it always seems to come in waves there was the you know the the, the original alternative boom yep came as a as an antithesis to uh, the end, you know end of the pier type comics, mother-in-law style yeah. comics, yeah, that sort of thing, and the the blandness and the repetitive nature of the circuit, and I think these things sort of do do tend to happen. I don't, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. Um, not no one's been negative to my face. <laughs> <laughs> they might say it behind my back. I couldn't tell you about that, yeah. but uh, no, I don't think I don't know. It's because kind of, it's, it's it definitely helped me. There are things yeah. that I that I still do. That I think uh, that I'll maybe just do subconsciously, or I don't know that that, that Logan very much 
uh, yeah, he's, he's there at the back of my head, little yeah. Logan on my shoulder, and just you ever tapping do me again. Dick about more, <laughs> dick about more. Did you ever do anything in the early gigs where you deliberately ignored his advice and then found out to your peril that you should have listened to his advice? No, he was a bit of a wise sage. Yeah. I think we all we all sort of uh, took his word as gospel to some extent. I mean, he was he didn't he he let us find our own path. I think quite a bit rather than saying this is what you must do I don't ever remember a time of him going this is a hard and fast rule in comedy you must adhere to this because right. there were such diverse performers on our on our course that, and everyone sort of brought something to it even those that en- ended up hating it and, and, yeah. and you know and, and and just go I'm never doing that again there, <laughs> there, were, there were people yeah it's I, I don't I, no I don't I don't remember him offering that sort of hard and fast advice I, I remember him letting us find our own way and, and just guiding us down whatever path we were, uh, we were going on because he told me never give the audience props so I ignored that and gave the only people in the front row of a gig once some Lego to build because I was doing a set about Lego and of course yeah. the only, they were the only people that were laughing so I gave them that they were concentrating on doing that and then no one else was laughing like ah <laughs> yes Logan knows best maybe yeah it depends on <laughs> well it depends on who you are for, for an example of giving an audience props in the most glorious way have a look on YouTube for Sam Simmons uh, New Zealand gala performance this right. year it was a, a a joy it was basically him just dishing out um, bread uh, roles to the audience okay. and then um, getting two ta- uh, ping pong bats and just going just throw them at me you fucks <laughs> and just which they duly did and it was just it, oh, it was glorious that was we were watching it because yeah backstage and just pissing ourselves <laughs> and they the, the most glorious bit was not shown on telly sadly which was him just going around with a basket helping the crew all pick him up afterwards <laughs> from the stage going oh, oh no, I thought that was pretty accessible which <laughs> <laughs> was just one of the most beautiful lines that was sadly cut from the TV but you can see most of the clip on YouTube yeah I'll, I'll, that is, I'll check that that's out that's how to do props so um edinburgh when did you do your first edinburgh i did my first ever edinburgh in the year 1998 98 so way before the course <laughs> yeah, i did it was a it was a drum and bass version of the tempest it ran for two weeks it was uh on at half past midnight and we got about 20 people in for the entire run no it was no it was it was an interesting experience it was kind of it was me replying to an ad on um the ed fringe forum that used to be that i don't right. think it exists anymore which well, is a bulletin shame. board is it probably known back then i think it was yeah. it was a bulletin board <laughs> bloody hell yeah it was beta stage um and um, it was just, it just looked, looked like a lot of fun and have ended up, um, yeah, last year I was I was doing a late night cabaret show and just got some people up on stage um, and one of the guys that came up was completely unexpectedly to me, a guy from the cast from 98. Right. Which was just mental. I just I did a sort of little bit of a double take on it and anyway... So that was kind of cool. And uh, then I did a sketch show in Edinburgh from 2001 to 2000. And, no, from sorry, from 99 to 2001. Did sketch stuff. But then it wasn't until... I, I'd go up and sort of just hang about and do spots yeah. and, and watch shows. And it wasn't until 2008, actually, that I did my first solo show. Okay, so it's quite a long time between... Yeah. Starting, as it were, and then doing yeah, a proper show. Yeah, it was. I didn't, I didn't see any need to sort of rush. I figured mm. it was always going to be there. Um, I figured I was never going to actually be one of the sort of cool, trendy new kids. I never wanted to be that, and I, uh, yeah. So I went. I took. I took up um, just a show about it. It was more of a comedy lecture. It was just all about the history of swearing. Yes. I remember yeah. there was a year before I got really interested in. Well, everyone seemed to be going for the controversial tag 
that year was sort of edgy and controversial and, you know, blue language. And, yeah. and I just sort of thought it'd be interesting to just, you know, go around the back and just see why, yeah, what, what where all the swear words came from, where the <laughs> nature of offence came from. And it was, and linguistics was something that was always interested me. And I did uh, study uh, philosophy and psychology at uh, okay. uni. So I sort of wanted to try and use that, uh, yeah, <laughs> to justify the, uh, the, the, the fees <laughs> that I paid to get through uni. But, um, yeah, so I, I sort of did that and then, uh, yeah, I've kind of been up solidly ever since really, since 2008. Yeah. I've, I've not really taken a break. I would like to take a break next yeah. year. Just take a little break from the festival circuit and just kind of. We can if you want. You I, you say that <laughs> I've said that every year. You you do you say that, and then it's always it's usually uh, my agent just kind of, kind of going, oh, but you've got to capitalise on this. But I mean, this you know you got to got to go and do that, haven't you? And I was just going, yeah, supposed to do all right. And I end up doing it, and I've, I've sort of got myself on this loop now as well of going going over to do the Australian and uh, New Zealand festivals yes. at the start of the year as well. They normally run sort of January, mid January through to uh, May, end of May, and then by that time it's yeah I've literally just got back a, a week ago. Now it's June, July previews, yeah. uh, August Edinburgh. Busy, so busy, it's busy. Yeah, so it was, um, for the last four years, it's pretty much been that that cycle, it's which is horrible though. It's bloody great. I can't complain. There's some of my most favourite moments have come from um, the from the festivals, especially overseas. Just found myself doing the what they call the comedy convoy tour in New Zealand, where you go and just spend two weeks uh, bombing around in the ah. in a thrifty van. Going, uh, Carl Donnelly and Marcus Birdman were doing it this year. They've just come back from it, and uh, God, yeah, it's brilliant. And you just find yourself just sitting in a vineyard, <laughs> sipping wine on the other side of the planet, and just going, "Oh, I've got to go and do twenty minutes tonight in front oh. of a bunch of people who probably really enjoy it <laughs> in a lovely theatre somewhere in a life. gorgeous country." Yeah, it's um, quite wonderful the places that it's led me, and a lot of that came from actually the first. Edinburgh show so I'm, I'm glad I left it as long as I did mm. because I just wanted to kind of prove to myself if nothing else that I could do an hour yeah and that ended up someone from Adelaide Fringe came to see that show and said oh you should come along do Adelaide Fringe and that led to Melbourne Comedy Festival which led to Sydney which led to New Zealand and Perth and yeah all, all of these festivals it's just it's kind of it's snowballed really and and it's mainly just because I've not stopped yeah for the last six years really nice. of doing those solo shows. Nice. Festival shows. Uh, I've got to go. Uh, five, five, five minutes. So all this has led up to your latest news, which is a pilot for BBC. Uh, yeah. Which is pretty darn we good, isn't it? We announced that this week. It's yeah. quite exciting. It's been sort of on the cards for, for a while. We've only just been able to announce it. But um, yeah, so the, the, the Frenchman I do, Marcel Lucon, has got himself a um, BBC pilot. Nice. Filming in July, quite soon. And uh, I hope it's going to be good. It's a non-broadcast one, so it's just essentially... It'll never it's not be even going to be online? I don't think so. They're, they're saying probably not at the moment. No, because um, Carrad Lloyd had a pilot for BBC3. Yeah. That, that was online, so... Um, well, they, I think, was that the Find My, Feed My Funny one? Was that that one? Possibly, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if they're doing the Feed My Funny things anymore, but it's oh, okay. this one is just like a... Yeah, non-broadcast one gets sent to the big wigs and see if they. Yeah. Uh, so is that something you had up? to go after, or did someone ask you to do that? Um, I was, I was kind of asked to do that actually. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not, I'm not the most proactive when it comes to sort of go, going for TV stuff. I really, really enjoy doing the live yeah. element, 
Um, but if good TV stuff comes, I, you know, idiot to turn it down. And it was it was kind of a little bit off the back of Live at the Electric, which I did on BBC Three. Yeah, I, and did, that was I that. was randomly watching that. Oh yeah, and then you were on. I was like, no, me, of course, of course, I did. <laughs> yeah, like, there you uh, go. Whatever. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so, that, so it was just yeah, it was just a little little sort of showcase thing. It was kind of yeah. I I've been doing this character for about six years, mm. and uh, which started at the experimental night. And that was just, yeah, a little, like, obviously just a little experiment I didn't expect to take off. Yeah. And it seems like it has. Cool. And it's a studio-based one, this one. It's studio-based, yeah. yeah. It's going to be uh, filmed at the Tabernacle. I think studio-based comedy is better than single-camera shot elsewhere stuff. Mm. You can react to the audience. Yeah. I was watching an episode of Father Ted I'd never seen before on the weekend. Oh, yeah. And just watching the actors do their thing and waiting for the audience to stop laughing... And then carry yeah. on. It's, it's so much better than just someone saying something to a camera five times and they just pick the best one. Oh, it is. Yeah, it definitely is. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I want that, yeah, I, I want it to just have a nice sort of live feel to it. And yeah. I want it to be a little bit, yeah, a little bit sort of true to the um, the old chat shows of, of your sort of the old, um, you know, Clive James type ones that where you yeah. just used to have interesting guests on sort of Dave Allen that kind of thing yeah. just just having interesting guests on try and shy away from the whole celebrity bollocks and 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 just make it just make it interesting and just just silly are you gonna have to tone it down at all do you think well I hope not they seem the, the guys I'm working with are brilliant yeah. and they, they seem to sort of be pretty much giving me free reign on it I, I don't think especially as it's not actually going to be broadcast ah, I think okay. if anything that gives me a bit more carte blanche as uh, I believe the French say <laughs> to, uh, to to dick around as Logan Murray would say <laughs> brilliant so just before we go have you got mm. some things you want to plug oh let's oh. do this well I should be up in Edinburgh doing um, uh, my show that we mentioned thank yep. you for that plug already uh, Cars and Girls <laughs> which is a 50 minute long poem about travel and lost love if you're into that <laughs> come along it's not as pretentious as it sounds there will be dick jokes and that's at the stand at three o'clock in Edinburgh uh, stand five sorry stand five the new uh, venue they've got and uh, Marcel Lucan is which is at the Pleasance Dome at 10pm during the festival so two shows every day yeah three o'clock and ten o'clock gives a little bit of siesta time in between ah uh, nice so that would be nice and uh, Marcel is doing his Cabaret Fantastique as well in London uh, 12th of June and the 19th of June which is my showcase uh, that I host as Marcel with my favourite sort of weird and wonderful acts on okay brilliant yeah. Cabaret and comedy scene nice sounds good well, we're going to have to wrap it up there because you've got to fly off to another meeting. I do. You do. So, <laughs> Busy boy. Thank you for coming in. You're welcome. And just, in, and just, yeah, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Just have fun. <laughs> Don't, th- you know, I think, too, I think too many people, um, I think that's the thing that a lot, a lot of people do see it as kind of a career path yeah. nowadays. Whereas I think we were a little bit more naive back then and we're just doing it for shits and giggles. Yeah. Which so, is what I'm trying to do. Trying to have fun with it. Yeah. I think that's the way forward. That way you're not disappointed if it all goes uh, horribly wrong. Which well, it has done many times. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming in. You're welcome. I'm going to finish off my cookie now. Good. So, uh, <laughs> cheers. Cheers.